Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Undercover, out. Outsider. Can you remember the first time you felt like an outsider? I can't. Not because I always felt in, but because I never felt in. Like my whole life. Like when I was in first grade, just making friends, my mom moved us from Brooklyn to Staten Island, New York, and um, in the second grade. And then my neighbor, he was uh, Jewish. His name was Jonathan Dworkin. The reason why I bring up his faith is because he wanted me to have friends and I was brand new. So he introduced me to all his friends who also happened to be Jewish. And they welcomed me with open arms because if you can't tell, (laughs) I mean, it's not the furthest leap. I can kind of pass for Jewish. And so so that's what they thought. They brought me in, they loved me. They made a space for me. Those were my only friends. From like second and fifth grade, I could have sworn I was Jewish. <laughs> and it never really hit me that I wasn't because I was so involved and we had so many good times until about sixth grade where, um, you know, they were doing these things called bar mitzvahs, which are like these huge parties when a boy becomes a man. And they're really cool. Like they go all out. Like there's elephants and tigers and it's crazy. And um, for real. And uh, and, and, I, and I would get invited to most of them. And then there was this one guy who was a real good friend. And um, I could have sworn, you know, I'd have been at the bar mitzvah. And he was handing out invitations. And as the invitations were handing out, he, I didn't get one. And so I said, hey, man, you know, you probably missed, you know, your Puerto Rican Jewish friend over here. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll receive my invitation whenever you, whenever you get a chance. And he was like, oh, man, actually, my mom said the budget is tight because you spent it on tigers. The budget is tight. And, and, and my mom said I can only invite my Jewish friends. Now, now, the family was great. They were nice. The boy was very kind. I don't hold that against them. It was a financial decision. But what I was hearing in that moment was, you don't belong. You're an outsider. So I left my, my Jewish friends. And uh, lucky for me, I grew up in the 90s in New York. I'm talking about the era of Biggie and Pac. Okay? So like hip-hop. So like me and every other teenage millennial, we all just moved to the other. We just all thought we were black. Okay? Can we be real? So I thought we were black, man. So I just, so I just, I love the music. And, I lo- and so I started hanging out with all my black friends. And we started doing life together. And it was really cool until I realized there's some jokes I can't make. <laughs> like I was in, but not all the way in. <laughs> and so I said some things. And then I realized real quick I was an outsider. I was an outsider. And then by that time, I hit high school. I'm looking for a new group of friends, man, a new community to belong to. And I, you know what? I got to go back to my roots. Mi gente, Puerto Rico, Boricua. Half of the people clapping don't even know why they're clapping. I just yelled and they're just going in. And Puerto Rican by, you know, by birth. And so, um, and I emphasize by birth, uh, third generation. So I, I found all these Puerto Rican kids in high school and I just started, you know, kind of slipping my way in and they were cool with it. And it was, it was so cool, man. The only problem was I didn't speak Spanish. And I had never been to Puerto Rico in my life. In my life. And so they would have these conversations and I would have no way 
to input. You know that one friend who's just there, got no input? He's just, he's just got to be there. I was that guy. They're all talking. They're like, hey, JJ, you like salsa? I was like, I love salsa. They're like, what's your favorite type? I was like, bro, mild, medium, high. I'm all into it. Whatever you got. I take it. <laughs> Big salsa guy. They're like, no, man, the music, salsa. I'm like, I'm just getting over Biggie and Pac, okay? They got shot. I need to recover. I don't know. And here I was, listen to me, I wasn't Jewish enough for my Jewish friends, I wasn't black enough for my black friends, I wasn't Latino enough for my Latino friends, and, but at least I was a New Yorker, and all New Yorkers have that in common, until my family decided to move us to Florida. And it'd be one thing if they had sent me to Miami, because then I could have used my Jewish, black, Puerto Rican roots. I would have found one community there, but no, they sent me to Brandon, Florida. Anybody from Brandon or know where it's at? The people who know where it's at say, woo, the people who, who, who are from there are just. <laughs> Boy, I didn't, I didn't fit in. The moment I got there, they were like, would you like some water? I'm like, water? I would like some water. They're like, no, 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 water. I'm like, no, you're incorrect. Uh, my whole life, it's, it's water, it's water. Turns out it actually is water, guys. And now I'm real frustrated because now I have to learn how to pronounce the source of life all over again. And... But there was one constant in my life, and it was church. I went to church in New York. I went to church in Florida. Unfortunately, when I went to church in Florida, it kind of coincided with probably the lowest spiritual point of my life ever. I didn't have any friends. I'd broken up with my girlfriend. I struggled with depression. I struggled with... Uh, addiction. And, um, you know, it's crazy because you can come to church and there'll be a ton of smiling faces, a ton of welcome homes. and happy. But if, if you're living one way and people don't know the way you're living, how many people know church can be one of the loneliest places? Because you see everybody and you don't know their story. So you just assume that their life's all together while your life is secretly falling apart. And this could be one of the places where you feel like you don't belong the most. Somebody who's looking at me, looking for hope right now, talk about, well, Pastor JJ, when did it end? This is a real depressing opener to your sermon. <laughs> when did it end? I hear that voice right now. Standing in front of what seems to be over a thousand of you. I'm just a boy from Staten Island. Brooklyn and Brandon. <laughs> who didn't just go through stuff, going through stuff right now that if you were to know, you might not even respect me anymore. I hear that voice right now. You don't belong. You don't deserve to be here. Now, what do you care, right? I mean, they're my problems, not yours. Except that I bet there are people in this room who can say that at some point in their life, they felt that exact same way. Maybe you first felt it when you tried out for that sports team or that cheerleading squad and you didn't get in. Uh, maybe you first felt it when you finally built up the courage to ask that cute boy or girl out and you put that little letter, you know, check yes, you know, check no, check maybe, and you didn't even get the paper back. <laughs> maybe, maybe you first felt that when your parents got divorced and, and, and half of your stuff is at one place and half of your stuff is at another place and you're really living out of a backpack because you got two houses but no home. 
Maybe, maybe you felt like that the day you found out you were adopted. Maybe you felt like that the day somebody pointed something out about you that you never noticed before, the color of your skin. I, I, I'll tell you what, because there are other people here, like you're tough and you're like, whatever, man, just get over it. Nobody likes you, whatever. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not talking about something that you can get over. I'm talking about something you got to get out. Because when you've been rejected your whole life, rejection isn't a problem for you. Rejection is a part of you. And you see the world through the perspective of rejection. What do I mean? So, so because a man told you that he loved you, but what he really meant was, I love you right now until I find someone better. You've, you've been scarred, and now you see the world through a, a lens of rejection. So when you text your best friend and they don't text back for an hour, you don't give them no grace. In your mind, you're like, they found another best friend. I knew it. <laughs> hanging out with Sarah. I saw you hanging out with Sarah. Dang it. Why did your mind, answer me this, why did your mind go straight to they left me? Because of the delay on the text. Because rejection was a part of you. You walk into a room and there's no seats. You don't think the place is full. You think what? They don't want me here. I don't belong. Why? Because you're thinking about middle school cafeteria, baby. Remember middle school cafeteria? Where can I find a place? And there was no place and you had to eat by yourself in the gym? Just me? Okay. It becomes a part of you. When, when rejection is a part of you, solitary confinement isn't a punishment. It's a method of survival. I can't trust nobody, so I'm going to just do my life by myself. I'm going to live my life by myself. I'm going to do work by myself. I'm going to do this business by myself. Some people even try to get married by themselves. You'd be like, well, how does that work? Easy. You just be married and pretend like there's not another person. Yeah, so, so why sacrifice for you? I'm going to just do me and get what I want. You're going to leave me anyway. It's a worldview. Rejection becomes a worldview that steers every decision and every day of your life. And if that's you today, and if there's anything I said that resonates with you on a visceral and personal level, can I reintroduce you to Jesus? I mean, I'm sure you heard about him at some point, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Messiah and the resurrected King. But can I introduce him to you as the rejected one? As the one that they had no place for? You want to talk about had no place for? Homeboy didn't even have a place when he was born. He came to Bethlehem and they had no place for him. Rejected as a fetus. That's cold. In the womb. Talking about, sorry, no room at the inn. Go to the manger. And then when he grows up and he finally starts doing some things, you know, and he finally starts being successful, you'd think that the people he grew up with would be his biggest fans, but that's not how it works. The people you grew up with grow the most jealous. Grow the most jealous. And so he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, getting ready to do some miracles, getting ready to give back to the people who helped raise him. And when he gets there, he goes, I'm ready to do some miracles. And they go, oh, but before you start preaching, aren't you the carpenter's son? Rejected. Walks out. How about Samaria? One time he went into Samaria and he went into this village, right? And he was getting ready to do some miracles in that village. All they needed to do was give him a room to stay. But all the hotels realized that he was Jewish. Jewish people and Samaritans weren't getting along at the time. And so as soon as he would ask, knock on the door, hey, is there any room for me? Nope, all booked up, all booked up, all booked up, all booked up. And he left and he was rejected by the Samaritan village. Why do I bring that up? It's just so funny because a couple chapters later, he's going to meet a Samaritan woman at the well. 
He's going to prophesy to her, and all of a sudden, the village is going to see what he can do, and then they're going to make space for him, and they're going to cheer him on, and they're going to celebrate him, which is the most frustrating part about finally finding your community. Because once you find it, you keep thinking to yourself, do they really want me for who I am or because of what I can do for them? I'm not sure because everybody's using me, see? They want me for what I can do. They want me for what I can give. But I wonder, is there anybody in the world who wants me just for me? Yes. It's the king of the rejected ones. The one who had no place. And check out what he did. He made a place for those who had no place. He made cover for the outsiders. His name is Jesus. And so I want to help you find that place today. Here's my prayer that you would leave here feeling like you belong. And that the search for belonging, more importantly, that the search for belonging would, would, would finish today. So, so we're going to do that. We're going to find that place. But before we do that, we have to discover some of the ways we go undercover. Because I found out that when we don't belong, or when we feel like we don't belong in society, in world, in a family, the first thing we do is we go for cover. Yeah. And the first person to ever do it, you guessed it, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were in the garden. If you're not familiar with the story, God told them not to eat this one fruit. The garden was perfect. They eat the fruit. All of a sudden, their eyes are open. They realize now that they've done something bad. Now they're no longer perfect. And please catch this. They're now imperfect beings in a perfect place. And guess what they feel like? I don't belong here. Do they leave the garden? No. This is what the Bible says that they do. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. says this. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves clothes. Now, here's what you have to understand about the word clothes. I looked up in the Hebrew what this word clothes meant. I was thinking that maybe it was a shirt. Maybe they made a shirt. Maybe they made pants. Like, I'm a very visual learner, so I love to use my imagination when I read the Bible. And I don't know if you've ever heard this story before, like what you imagined that they were wearing. For me, I always thought, like, they didn't have enough time to make clothes, so they just made underwear. Like, in my mind, that's how it worked. Like Eve went in the back real quick, just came out like in a bikini. He's like, I got this. Adam, I don't know what he did, but he did something. And so I'm like, what part of the, what part of the clothes did he make? You know, I'm trying to look. But the, but the word is very weird in the Hebrew. It doesn't mean any of those things. It actually just means they took stuff and clothed themselves with it. Not that it was actual clothes, but that it was cover. Why is that important? Because then it says in verse 8, then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. It's all, that's when it hit me. Their environment was trees and bushes and leaves. And so they ground what was closest to them, which was trees and bushes and leaves and created a cover and put it on them, not so that they could be covered, but so that they could hide. Here's what I'm trying to say. He didn't make clothes. He made camouflage. True story. He's, the Bible says he sewed up leaves. And then put the leaves over here and then just faded into the bushes. Like that Homer Simpson meme. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he wasn't making clothes. He was making camouflage. Patrick, can you help me out real quick? Come on up, man. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Camouflage. That's what he made him, because he was going to hide in there. You know what this reminds me of? 
fourth grade musical. Yeah. I wanted to be in it so bad. I actually had to be in it. It was part of the rules. Like, if you were in fourth grade, you had to be in the musical. But I wanted the main part. I don't even know what the musical was. I don't even remember what the part was. I've completely blocked that part of my childhood out because it was devastating to me. Needless to say, I did not get the main part. I thought I was good because that Christmas, I was Joseph in the Christmas play at my church. But then I found out that my mom pulled some strings and made me be that part. I wasn't as good as I thought I was, but I walked up in the fourth grade like, Joseph here, what, what? I'll take that part right there, please. You know? And after I did auditions and tryouts, I said, sorry, we got a main singer here. I said, well, what can I be? I said, we got a great part for you. What's that? They go, you could be tree number three. <laughs> go ahead, Patrick, tree number three. Tree number three. That's it. I said, what's the speaking parts? They go, no, you have the hardest job. You have to not speak. It's like, I see what's happening here. It's because I'm black, Jewish, Puerto Rican. I see what's happening here. <laughs> I was so upset. Here's what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make. They, they wanted to make me feel like I was a part by putting me on stage. But, but, but by, I've never felt less like I belonged than when they made me blend in. Please catch this. The greatest barrier to belonging is fitting in. Some of you see your environment and you think to yourself, I got to act a certain way to get in there. But sewing takes work. And I'm just telling you, if you have to work to be accepted, that's the evidence that you're not. Well, I'm just going to fit in. Why? Be you. By fitting in, you're admitting I don't belong. You need to get around the right community. Not change to your community, but change your community. And so, but, 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 but you know, we stay and you go, well, I don't even know what you mean. That's not me. I don't camouflage. Yes, you do. You know how you camouflage? Maybe you don't walk around with this, because that'd be weird. But you know what you're from a camouflage is? Hey, how you doing? Good. How's life? Great. Everything's falling apart, but you know what you're really doing when you're saying good, great? You're saying, don't look at me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna talk about it right now. I'm good. Just keep on walking. Just keep on walking. Keep on walking. Right? It's exhausting to have to stay up with all of the trends and opinions and shifting stuff that, that, that people are doing today. Right? Like if you're over 50, you're, you're, on your Facebook page, you'll see something pop up like, you know, clothes that you should never wear over 50. And then you're like, okay, well, you know, I guess I want to fit in. And so I'm going to do that. Or, or on my Netflix, it's always like what people are watching right now, you know? Or somebody, keep, people keep asking me if I've been watching Game of Thrones. No! <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> and I will not. Netflix is expensive enough. I can't afford no HBO. <laughs> and you know what we're really doing here? Please understand this. What we're really doing here is embracing shame. What is shame? The definition of shame is this. It's really a template. I'm not blank enough. You fill in the blank. I'm not strong enough, so I'm going to hide. I'm not smart enough, so I'm going to hide. I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to dream. I'm just going to become a regular average person. I'm just going to hide, and I'm just going to get through this life incognito and, and, and low. I'm, I'm not good enough. And you got to come out of shame today and be vulnerable with who you are and let God just see you. That's my respect for Adam. How do I get out of here? Do what Adam did. You know what Adam did? You know what Adam did? When God said, where are you? You know what Adam said? Here I am. 
How much courage did that take? Because I just want to say, if I was Adam, if I was Adam and the Lord was like, Adam, where are you? I don't know. If Eve is anything like my wife, she would have been like, should we say something? He's, he's calling us. You hear him calling you, don't you? Should we say something? To, to which my response would have been, oh, now you want to do the right thing. Well, where were you 10 minutes ago? Talk about eat that fruit. Shut up. <laughs> but not Adam. Adam came out from undercover and said, I don't have it all together, but here I am. And were there consequences? Sure. Why? Because there's always consequences to sin. But I'll tell you why Adam was surprised. Because he was expecting to meet a God who would kill him. He didn't. Instead, he met a God who would cover him. You think coming out will kill you? Hiding. Hiding is what will kill you. You know what the interesting part is? He said it was fig leaves. Ask 10 theologians what kind of tree the tree of knowledge of good and evil was. A lot of people think it was an apple tree. They, they didn't grow in that area. Nine out of 10 theologians believe that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. When their eyes were open, they grabbed fig leaves and covered them. Are you catching this? The very thing that was concealing them was killing them. Fitting in slowly saps the life out of you. You got to come out. Come out and let the Lord see who you are. And guess what the Lord will do when he sees you? The Bible says that when he saw Adam, he took off those things that he made, that cover, and he made clothes out of animal skin right here. Bam. Don't write me no letters. That's fake. <laughs> hey, he made clothes. And guess what the Hebrew word for clothes is? Coat. In other words, get rid of your fakeness. I'm going to make you something real. And how about better than this? I'm not just going to make you something real. I'm going to make you a coat out of, out of animal. Ooh, are you ready for this? Here's what the Hebrew word means. Not, not skin. Hide. Animal hide. Are you following me? God was saying, listen, you were trying to hide. But by hiding from me is not the way you hide. Don't hide from me. Hide in me. Oh. Hide in me. You thought that if I saw you for who you really were, I'd kill you. You need to know I'm not going to kill you. Instead, I'm going to be killed for I'm going to be killed for you. I won't kill you. I'll cover you. So you got a weakness? Show it to me. I'll cover it. You got a doubt? Show it to me. I'll cover it. You got a past? Show it to me. I'll cover it. You got an insecurity? Show it to me. I'll cover it. You got a fear? Show it to me. I'll cover it. Are you scared? Show it to me. I'll cover it. You got doubt? Show it to me. I'll cover it. 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 You don't even believe in me? You're doubting me? That's cool. Come with me with all, your, with all your doubts. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. An animal died so that you could be covered. Ha. 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 God died so that you could be covered. We're afraid. Man, if I show them for who I really am, if I show them who I really am, he'll kill me. They'll reject me. Uh-uh. He'll wrap you. 
and hold you tight. Thank you, Patrick. He'll wrap you and he'll hold you tight because he loves you. God's not in the killing business. He's in the covering business. And that's just one way to cover with shame. There's actually a more common way. It's actually the Jewish people practice this. This is referred to as a talit or a prayer shawl. And it's very symbolic. This is the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy in the book of Numbers. The Bible talks about making these and wearing these. And, and these are very symbolic because this is a talit right here. And these things at the end here are called tzitzit. There's four of them on each side. And the seat seat's real symbolic because in, in Hebrew, they have a way of assigning numerical value to words. And so when you break the seat seat down, numerically, it equals 600. You add the four knots to 600, you get 604. Then you add the eight tassels and you get 613. Um, it's important for me to mention that Jesus wore one of these. When the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus at the hem of his garment, this is what they, he, she was touching. And that's what cured her. Um, so 613. The reason why 613 is significant is because there were 613 commandments in the Bible that the rabbis recognized. So when you wore this, what you were really saying, I told you, right? <laughs> Somebody's like, for real? He really does. <laughs> Church is fun. Um, here's why this is so significant. Because when you wore this back in the day, you know what you were telling everybody? I have kept all 613 commandments. Look at me. <laughs> all 613, I, I've done it. Jesus was so mad at this. Jesus hated this so much. Even though he wore one, he hated how people would brag about it. He even talks about it in Matthew. Show them the, uh, the passage of Matthew. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. Look at me. I did it. 613. Are you seeing it, guys? It might be sexy and it might be cool. But you know what this is? Just another form of cover. Just on the other side of the spectrum. Because on this side of the spectrum, what I did with Patrick a second ago, I cover myself with shame. But on this side of the spectrum, I cover myself with success. Ooh. So I don't want you all up in my business. So because I don't want you all up in my business, I'm going to start a business. So that you don't look at me, but that you look at my talit and my seat seats. Yeah. Made six figures this year. Look at me. I mean, I'm getting divorced, but don't look at that. Look at me. Look at, my, look at my finances. It's doing good, huh? You got a pretty girlfriend. She puts on a bikini, and the next 18 photos on your Instagram are all of her. We get it, bro. She's good looking. But why are you putting that up? I'll tell you why. I'm not fine, but my girlfriend's fine. Look at her. Not me. Look at her. Not me. We're insecure on the inside, so we'll post videos, and we'll let people know, look, I could, I could bench 220 pounds. Look at me. But you're not really saying, look at me. You're saying, look at my success. And you know what the crazy, ironic part of this is? That the people who live here on this side of the spectrum, they're always the ones to tell you, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just doing me. It's always this person. But if you really didn't care about what everyone thinks, you wouldn't have to post stuff to prove stuff. Don't look at me. And there's a problem with living like this. 
And here's my question to you. What will you do when you can no longer do what you do? Because right now, your whole value, your whole worth, your whole sense of belonging comes from what you do. So what will you do when you can't do what you do anymore? This is a question. You know, I looked this up on Amazon because um, I want to make sure before I buy it, it had good reviews. And it had all five stars. I know, right? Why would you even look up the reviews on something that you could I don't know. But I did. <laughs> it had all five stars except for one. One person gave it three stars. And that person said, I like it. It looks good. It does what it's supposed to do. She said, but given enough time, that's what she said. No, no. She said, but it's only a matter of time. These are really intricately done. And, 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 and you know, this is a lot of hard work. He said, it's only a matter of time. She said, in my experience, I bought three of them. And it's only a matter of time, as we said, before this part unravels. So here's my question to you. How long do you think you can keep it together? I mean, it looks good right now. I mean, your Instagram feed is on point. Your life on the outside is looking sharp. But here's my question. How long do you think you can do what you do? How long do you think you can keep it together until you finally break down and show people? You want to know Jesus' answer to this problem? It's powerful. Remember I told you Jesus had one? Say yes. Something I left out is that according to Jewish tradition, when a male died, he would be buried. But he wouldn't be buried alone. He would be buried with his talit. And when they buried him, they would cut off the tzitzit. And the message that they were sending was, now that you're dead, you no longer have to try and keep the law. Because now the law no longer is applied to you. These rules don't matter anymore because you're dead. I'm trying to remember. When John the beloved disciple ran into the temple, ran into the tomb, because Mary had told him that Jesus had come back to life. Was the tomb empty, y'all? It's a trick question. <laughs> Somebody wants to say, yeah, it was. But it wasn't. The Bible says that there was a garment folded. Now, we don't know if it's the tally. But I like to think that it was. I like to think God was sending us a message. I'm not here. I'm not in the grave. The seat seat is gone. I stepped out of this grave, but here's what I left buried. The need to perform the need to prove and when they grabbed it it was a message because Jesus had died you don't have to perform anymore because Jesus died 
you don't have to act perfect anymore. Because Jesus died, you don't have to have it all together anymore. Because Jesus died, it doesn't matter if your life is falling apart or if it's all together. Because Jesus died. Because Jesus died, you can live your life full of guilt and you can live your life full of grace. Because Jesus died, it wasn't just my perfection that's been cut off, but all of my sins have been cut off. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the smartest person in the room anymore. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the strongest person in the room anymore. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the funniest person in the room anymore. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the best looking in the room anymore. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the one with all the jokes anymore. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the free one. Because Jesus died, I don't got to be the wise one. Because Jesus died, I can be myself broken in pieces myself because Jesus died because the tomb is empty the talit has been folded I don't have to perform anymore I can just be me stay standing stay standing there's a message here God is saying you don't have to try anymore you don't have to impress anymore I already did the job so that you don't have to now you can just be you. What if I got shame? Get out from under that cover. Let me cover you. What if I'm riddled with perfection? Get out from under that tilly. Let me just cover you. Here's what God is saying. Just come out. Let me love you just like you are. Can I share one more story with you? I won't even go to the verse. I'll just share it with you. Jesus, thank God he left the cover. Because Jesus, a few weeks later, will show himself to the disciples. And they were all there celebrating, except one, his name was Thomas. They called Thomas the Doubter, but he wasn't there. And he said to the other disciples, I don't even believe Jesus came back to life. And this is what he said. He said, I won't believe until I see the holes in his hands and the, and the, and the hole in his side. And I put the finger in his hole, right there, the hole in his hand, and my hand in his side. And here's what Jesus, next verse, 26. But he said it to them, unless I see, next verse, I will not believe. Jesus came in and stood among them and said, verse 27, peace be with you. You know why he said chill, right? He's like, you guys are about to see something freaky. <laughs> so peace, chill, relax. I'm going to show you something. Don't be scared. And he shows them the hands. You know what that's an image of, right? Vulnerability. Because if I was Jesus, I'm thinking if I show them this and they freak out, they're out. This whole thing called Christianity ends right here. <laughs> but he shows them his hands. And Thomas believes why. You think what makes you vulnerable makes you weak. You think what makes you vulnerable makes you unwanted. But here's the truth of the matter. What makes you vulnerable makes you beautiful. If people only knew. If people only knew, can I tell you? They would love you for it. And God would love you for it. Why? Because once he showed him his hands, you know what Thomas did? Believe. Oh, please catch this. It wasn't the resurrected body of Jesus that made Thomas believe. It was Jesus' holes. Jesus could have came completely healed, but he didn't. He came with holes in his hands. You know why? Because it was the holes that testified to the goodness of God. Here's what I'm trying to say, and I'll end here. A minute ago, I told you that if you show God who you were, he would cover it. Amen. But you know what else he'll do? He'll use it show other people here I am walking people don't impress people 
You know what impresses people? Somebody who's walking with a hole in their hand. Somebody who's walking with a hole in their side. He was resurrected, but he still wasn't healed completely. It's like if Jesus was saying, it's okay not to be healed completely. You can still love me. The healing is going to take time. Just be broken. Just be empty. Just be weak. Just be vulnerable. I'll use it. Just be true. Just show the world who you are. Let them see the holes. Let them see the weakness. Let them see the doubt. I'll use it. And we'll change the world. My holes and your holes will change Orlando. Will change your family. Will change your city. I just need your hopes. I just need your vulnerability. I need your weakness. So if you're here, I usually say head bowed, eye closed. But if you're here, when I say three, and you want to be vulnerable, you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand for two reasons. One, I want you to say, look at it. I want Jesus in my life, and I'm not perfect. Look at this. Look what I got. This is who I am. You're going to meet a God who loves you. I promise you that. You belong here. You're going to meet a God who loves you. I usually say head by eyes closed, but today, based on the message, I want to say this. Heads up, eyes open. Not afraid. Who's around? Not ashamed about who's looking. I don't care anymore. Shame doesn't control me anymore. I don't hide under shame anymore. I don't need to be perfect anymore. That's behind me. So if I got weaknesses, love me through my weaknesses. If I got fear, love me through my fear. Are you ready? All over this room, if that's you today, you want to come back to Jesus, you should lift up your hand as a signal and a sign. I'm not perfect, but I know someone who will love an outsider. That's you when I say three all over this building. One, two, three right now. Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. That's you, you need to give your life to Jesus today. Come on, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. Come on, show them the holes. Show the world your holes. Show them your weakness. Show them your hurt. Show them your pain. Show them what you've been through and the fact that you're still walking. You got the pain, but it ain't killed you yet. You're still here. Come on in the balcony, let me see your hand. I see it, I see it. Let's pray this prayer together, church. Are you ready? Father God, I got holes, but you cover them. I got holes, but you love me. Jesus, come inside my heart. I give you my life. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text JOURNEYORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.